0: News Talk 989, the Roar of Memphis. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan.
1: Welcome to Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning. I'm
0: Alan Gilbert, a Dark Oak Media.
2: And I'm Al- and I'm Maximilian, forced to put up with these clowns in the studio again. Yeah, we're back, Max. Uh, hey, and I and may I be the
1: first to wish you a uh, happy national hummingbird day.
0: Oh, absolutely! I already got the feeders all filled up, and the guys doubt it. out there buzzing around—it's great.
1: You know, it's funny. Some people have, seem to have the touch when it comes to hummingbirds. I've seen—I, I've, I was at a customer's house, and she had—I mean, six or seven hummingbirds zipping around. Some people—they just—they don't, you know. I don't know. But uh, if, you, if you have hummingbirds in your life, uh, congratulations, oh. and today's the day to celebrate, right? Yeah,
0: they're so funny, and they, they, they squawk and fight and knock each other off the perch, and it's, it's better than cable.
1: Absolutely. So <laughs> uh, we invite you to call in. Tell us your hummingbird stories. Tell us all about uh, what oh, yeah. you're doing to, to uh, commemorate National Hummingbird Day. Uh, you can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901 683 0989. And uh, we also invite you to go to the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page and give us a like and check out the action over there. I posted the must have item of the week. We'll probably make a couple other posts before the show is over. But, uh, Alan, um, this is also uh, Labor Day weekend, and um, I feel like I finally have reached maximum boring to boring toed or boringness, Alan. I'm as boring as I can. Possibly boring So um,
0: I, I don't think you've peaked yet. Nah. But, but by all means, uh, what well, is your new pinnacle of uh, sedentariness? Well,
1: as you know, Alan, you and I are are in the know about this. Uh, this every Labor Day weekend is Dragon Con, which is one it of is. the biggest conventions in the country. It's a big geek celebration it is. in it is. Uh, Atlanta. And which is only about a five and a half hour drive from from the mid south, you know, from Memphis mm, here. It's not,
0: the, it's not that bad.
1: I had planned to make a run to it to uh, Dragon Con this weekend and meet up with our buddy Cliff. You know, mm, the SCA. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. That's his yearly vacation. He goes to all five days. Over I there. would
0: not call Dragon Con a vacation. but well, go ahead. It's a, or an experience. <laughs> and
1: um, instead, oh, uh, my oh. wife and I discussed it, and I took the money that I was going to use. Uh, for Dragon Con and we did the sensible thing and we went to a Labor Day sale and bought a new stove. So, you know, cuz all our appliances are on their death watch and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, they are <laughs> they are marked down this this apparently this is one of the best uh day uh, the best weekends of the year to buy stuff.
0: Well, uh, well, you know, knowing that the kitchen is so near and dear to my heart.
1: Yeah, I can hardly
0: care. fault you for buying a new stove.
1: Right. So, um, I will
0: applaud you because I'd seen your old stove. Yeah. And well mm. it's the
1: di- it was it was a toss up between the dishwasher, the refrigerator, and the stove and good we, choice. we pulled the trigger on that. So I guess, uh, Cliff, you're on your own to conquer <laughs> Dragon Con. But anyway, Alan, uh in a minute we've got so we got two listener re- uh, requests this week. Uh, Ooh. So, you know, people are joining in. They're getting involved with our text line, uh nine o uh, the Big M Roofing and Remodeling text line 901-683-0989. We're going to address both of those, but uh in today's great moments in building history, we're going to tackle a su- <laughs> let's put it this way. This was construction uh done before OSHA standards. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> that would be putting it mildly. Yes. The uh, yes.
1: Brooklyn Bridge you know, there's never just a clean, nice, neat, tidy story to any of these projects that we discuss, oh, now. Oh, there's no. always a a clouded history, so we're going to talk about that. It is still a marvel of construction, especially when you consider the era that it was built. Uh, we have a good must-have item of the week. Max has a new segment. I guess it's a segment. It's a, one of his deep cuts. That was then, this is now. Uh, we're well, not going to explain any further. That uh, applies
0: Alan, to both of us.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to keep you guys updated because my kitchen remodel keeps is proceeding forward, mm. you know, like I said, I bought a new stove and that's going to that's going to um also uh tie into a ca- uh discussion about kitchen cabinets and uh, you know, keeping in mind those things are not fixed. You can they can be moved. Your kitchen is like a Tetris game,
0: you know. It it, it is. It is and the the one fallacy many people have when they look at a house is that everything has to stay where it started
1: yeah not so walls can be moved Mm -hmm. doors can be removed you know things can happen so uh we're going to discuss that and there's there's like six other things here on my list that i'm not even going to bother mentioning alan because we know how that goes (laughs) we Mm. may get to it we may not and uh of course if you want to call or text us uh though yours your uh calls and texts go to the front of the line anyway so all right well speaking of that alan we've got we got two we uh we have a text message that uh, we want to- um, Alan, this was pretty straightforward. I guess this came. This was directed to you. Basically said, "What the heck is a wax ring, and is it important?" <laughs> <laughs> and after we, uh, after you got up from the floor f- in convulsive laughter, you. Uh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> nothing to see here. So, a wax ring, Alan. Let's uh, explain what that is. And well, yes, it is important. Spoiler, yeah, oh my <laughs>
0: gosh. Of- okay. Okay, you know, Art, A, on the surface of this, it's a very funny question. However, after years of experience and new homeowners, mm-hmm. this is a critically important question. Oh, yeah. Because this is how a $200,000 house doesn't work because of a $2 part.
1: Lit- literally a $2 honestly, dollar part. A, honestly. If you want to get the really good one, it's 4 bucks.
0: It's 4 bucks. Right. Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> wow. What is a wax ring? Okay, it is exactly what it sounds. It is a sticky, nasty, disgusting $2 item. Mm -hmm. It's a little plastic shield and a, a thick band of really sticky wax
1: it looks like a jelly donut it a the jelly donut With you a don't big hole. ever
0: want to take a bite out of right, right.
1: i mean you, you go to the plumbing department and there it is it's just sitting there but they have you know they have some that are uh plastic oh, oh they have they silicone have all of, right. and all
0: kinds of other great stuff but just fundamentally the wax ring is a filler mm-hmm. and that is because well plumbing isn't perfect
1: no, your floor is never level. Well, you have to create an the airtight wall will seal. never
0: truly be ninety. The corner will tr- never truly be ninety degrees. The floor will never be perfectly level, and your toilet. It is critically important that that one piece of plumbing get fitted in with no leaks.
1: It, it's funny how um, it's funny how uh, precarious. The difference is between having sewage go out on your nice uh, floor and not. And it's basically, folks, if you, you know, if you, if you ever to remove your toilet, you will see a big hole in the center. Yep. And that's the drain. That's where everything unpleasant goes and it It gets into the sewer. And of course, like Alan said, it doesn't necessarily line up. You know, the whole... May have an eighth inch gap. It may have a half inch gap or something between the floor and the top of or the bottom of the uh, toilet. So that wax ring, when you go to put it in place, you settle it in there nice and evenly. You kind of gently rock it a little bit Mm -hmm. to kind of make it sit tight. And if you ever do have to replace this, this is a little tip don't put it on there. And then lift it up and look at it, and then no. put it down and look. Li- because of what you're doing is you're re you're messing up. It's like it's You've like gapped clay. It again
0: You've gapped it again, and, and yeah.
1: suddenly you're going to have uh yeah. So you want to put it on there gently, and then you tighten the bolts nice and easy. But yeah, Alan, it's it's amazing because in however many years, I'm guessing a couple centuries of toilet technology, they still haven't improved upon the wax ring. It, it works. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So I mean. It-
0: You know that – perfect words, Joe. Perfect words. Yeah. Well, because – it's kind of a weird thing to have to talk about this early in the morning. Yeah. Because because of the water pressure and the weight that a toilet has to support. Yeah. It is unique in your house because – you don't add 200 pounds of dishes to the dishwasher. That's a
1: good point. Well, you might. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've seen your I've seen your dinner party. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. You know,
0: when you're having roast emu, you, right. you Do what you got to <laughs> do. Um, but you know, this is the one spot in the house where you have a pipe fitting that has to now deal with the weight of the occupant on an intermittent pattern. It's not like it has 200 pounds on it all the time, right? So it has to be able to absorb the weight without damaging the plumbing, the fitting, moving the pipe. Uh, you know, so a lot of things play into this. So the the toilet, while it is a, a shockingly simple idea, uh, basically it's just a bucket of water and a hole. Right. And And, and you get the water to go down the hole. Of what... An amazing feat of engineering it is to get that pipe level, get the fitting on it, mount it into the floor properly, get ready to handle the weight of the occupant. Yeah. And, you know, let's face it, Joe, you and I are not exactly the smallest guys on the planet. Well, you know, okay, well, well, we're not the biggest. Yeah. We're not huge, but you know, we're not... We're not tiny little people.
1: Well, let me let me just say this in parting. Uh if you if you've got issues with your wax ring, I will say this. This is a repair that is not outside the normal person's skill set. This easy is something DIY. uh basically uh the first thing you would want to do is turn the water off behind the toilet. Yes. And um flush it, flush it as much as possible, then drain it, and then you're gonna see two little bolts on the um on the base of mm-hmm. your toilet, and sometimes uh, one of the giveaways is, of course, if you see water leaking under yeah. or unpleasant water leaking, maybe water. from a
0: corner, It yeah. doesn't matter, any water,
1: any water. Uh, check, you know, the you're gonna. This is this is one way to fix it, and also sometimes those uh, bolts that hold the toilet, they can rust, they can corrode, they can go sideways, yes. they can, and so that means you're not getting a a solid seal or if if the toilet rocks, that's not good. So it's not a difficult repair. You take everything out. You clean the wax ring. Definitely get some disposable gloves. Oh, yeah and scrape out all of the the bad stuff, put a new one in and it's a pretty satisfying repair because it it makes a huge difference and it's not something it's it's not too daunting for the average homeowner. Well, so. I
0: will say this, for the average person it is going to take two people yes to lift the toilet.
1: Yeah, and it's porcelain that folks. Thing is that thing can crack. Ver- is yeah.
0: much heavier than you think it is. Yeah, yeah. of and, well, and you don't want to be is,
1: bending water lines and things uh, like that, so be careful. Right. Yeah. The
0: other thing is when you go to put it on, take your time line it up oh yeah have you know and basically this is where you know somebody gets to be the spotter and you kind of going to go all right Did we got the holes lined up or right. the little post there and everything and when you got it lined up and you go to set it down just take your time let it ease down and then when you push down on it you've made a good solid wax seal that will honestly last for decades. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. So good question, uh, dear listener. I don't know who that was, but that's a very good question. Awesome. So great
0: all right. way to start this. Alan,
1: we got a voice message, but I, I, there's technical issues. Plus, it was kind of long. So. Okay. And I happen to know this person. This is one of my customers. Okay. Uh, from uh, I built him a, a patio cover. I, you know, good uh, Fred and Lauren. Let's give them a shout out. Mm, okay. They, they live in Harbortown now, folks. If you don't know what oh, Harbortown cool. is. Here in Memphis, we have a really, really unique community. It's uh, it's right on the Mississippi River. This, w- this was sort of a boom back in the 90s. That's when they were building all these homes. Yes. And, it's, and, and they're styled after kind of that San Francisco look where it's mm-hmm. zero lots. The houses are tall and narrow and deep and, you know, like shotgun v- and vertical. Townhouse
0: basically. looking. Yeah.
1: Right, right. That's what they – so th- this is a second-floor situation. So I was a little perplexed when he showed me the, the picture. So – what his basic situation is, Alan, he's got a second story bathroom and it's this is not a big bathroom. We're talking right. the floor on this bathroom is probably three feet by, um, you know, seven or eight feet. It's it's just kind of a little half bath little or something closet
0: kind of thing. Right. right.
1: The uh, the bathroom itself is probably five feet across or something. But anyway, he he's like, OK, I'm going to change the tile. I It's sort of dated, you know, big deal. Okay. I'll go okay. get the hammer. Right. And well. He started removing it and what he found was after he got the first couple off, it wasn't your nice tidy uh subfloor or you know, plywood or or um, you know, the backer board that you like to use, mm-hmm. a hardy board. Right. It was an inch and a half of concrete. <laughs> uh crumbling well, concrete. So apparently somebody set tile on an inch and a half of concrete, Alan. Just just I I don't stuffed get... it in there. So my my the only thing that makes sense to me as to why they would do that is because when you look at his bathroom, the tile is more or less level with the, um, it's more or less level with his hardwood floor that comes up to it. So my only thought was, Somebody built this thing. They go, you know, this floor is two inches lower than the... We, we got to mm-hmm. fill it up with something. And they did. And they did. And then they didn't even... Bother, you know, my thought would be, why don't you put a couple layers of the of the hardy board or something? You know, yeah, my right. crazy idea. But anyway, he's had a real time getting it off. And he... Uh, he Fred's one of these guys. If he has any excuse... To Go rent like a portable jackhammer mm-hmm. or any, he's gonna be the first in line to do that. So he, he did, he got it. Well, looking at
0: your picture right now, there is a lovely 10 amp uh portable jackhammer laying in the picture, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you rented the right tool because that'll get that tile off. So
1: he got it off, but he said, Man, he was getting cuts. The you know, tile is sharp, it you and, and the problem with tile is you'll go to pick up a piece. I'll and you and you're, you and you go throw it in the in the the bin or whatever, and then you look back and your hand is bleeding. Yes. And you didn't even know it because those little micro edge man, those things hurt too. They so yeah. but they won't any, eat you up. But anyway, so uh, I guess I maybe at the break I'll post pictures of this on our Facebook, uh, Alan. But uh, so basically, his question was what he what he was left with was this wavy kind of uneven floor, right? And he wanted to talk about his well. You know he's doing this regardless. Right. He's he's one of these guys that he he just goes for it. But he wanted to use a thin set concrete to f- level it out and everything. Okay. And I got to be honest, I don't do that much. I, I my mm-hmm. only concern was if you put a conc- if you do that, I feel like uh, the thin set. I don't know if it would separate or whatever. But let's talk about uh, tips for putting a very thin coat of concrete on because that's the gist of what his his issue well, was so. there. Yeah. <sighs>
0: Well, there, there's about a hundred different products on the market for exactly what he's doing, mm-hmm. and fundamentally, they all basically wind up being some type of thin set mortar with an adhesive
1: added can, to can it. Can I ask you a question? Because yeah. when you say thin set, okay, we're talking. There's some areas here he might only be putting a quarter inch of right something down. So normal mortars basically sand. And, and exactly, it's the grittiness of sand. So. Uh, is this it is this like a finer sand or it's something? It's a That's finer grind. I'm trying grind. to figure out what it, it is works. a finer okay.
0: grind. Yes. You are okay. on the money. Okay. Uh there is a lot of self-leveling products out there, and that just basically means I'm gonna flow until gravity says I don't need to flow anymore. Okay. So if you so if you left a little bit of a lump, it's it's gonna sink in and it's gonna self-level itself out a little bit. Right. Of i haven't had any real horrible problem with any particular brand over the years so i, I don't really have a don't use this one or don't use that one okay uh, the big thing is uh, make sure that it is really really clean get a vacuum, get you a shop vac or whatever and go over it and get all the dirt and hair and dog dander or whatever might be floating around in there Get make sure it's really clean and the other thing I've learned over the years is just get you a little little plant water bottle mm-hmm. and just give it a little spritz. Just go across it and make sure that the surface is not bone dry.
1: Oh, because what that's I don't want
0: it to do is suck the moisture out of the thin set before it begins to cure.
1: Now that's an interesting tip because I see concrete guys doing that all the time. They 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 keep the driveway a little wet, you know. Right. So there's yeah. there's a science behind all this. Well, uh, yeah.
0: and the thing is you. This is where the, the the we we say things dry. Mm. We say paint dries. We say concrete dries, and that's actually not the truth. Yeah, there is a chemical reaction going on to being mixed uh, with water, with oxygen, whatever that begins this process. And if everything stays mixed in proportion, you get the results you're looking for. Right. Um, I remember in particular a very a, a miserably hot day in a building with no air conditioning, trying to put in a floor, and they just the the concrete on the floor was just so dry, was so old. Every time the the the, pre, the people put the thin set down, the thin set. Just couldn't hold the tile. The tiles popped right back up. That's because I, the yeah. concrete was literally sucking all the water out of it, and just leaving you with thin set mix sitting on top.
1: Now, to Fred's credit, he did one thing that I think is very smart. There's a there's almost it's a very watery type of primer that you put on, and yes. it sort of creates like a seal, Uh and then you put the thin set across it. So it's, it's again very liquid.
0: I, it gives the concrete something to drink.
1: Now, Fred and I were at odds about this. My thought. I, I, I had a different opinion, Alan. I said, look, I don't care. I would, if this was me personally, mm-hmm. somewhere underneath there, there's wood because it's the second story. This is not a slab somewhere, there. But so, I'm like, I would have just taken hardy board and got some longer screws and just screwed in until I hit the wood and just built off of that. I, I don't know. I just, this one, I, I said, please keep us posted. Well, I hope he, your tile isn't going to pop loose. here. Well, he's already
0: got a concrete pad. So okay. you know, he took the tile off the pad. There's no real reason to remove the pad. Uh, I might have sanded it a little bit first, just me personally. Okay. Of, uh, but again, moisten the concrete first. Use a good self leveling thin set product, and that should give him a good clean base to put his tile down. But you gotta
1: really let it dry before you, you, you put don't follow don't.
0: all the instructions.
1: And I personally I would probably let it dry for at least I don't know, four or five days, just let it put a fan Uh, on there, let it it really set up. And then, uh, but I personally, Fred, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll have to agree to disagree on this. But uh, if you've got any opinions about this, feel free to get in touch. This is a hot controversy, Alan. Mm. This could be a, a point-counterpoint right. we've got developing We'll, we'll see here. how it turns out. Get in touch with us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And go to a, a Tool Talk Radio on Facebook and weigh in with your opinion. Uh, I think at the break, Alan, I'll post the uh, pictures. Okay, and the awesome. uh, You know, his his procedure for doing this so but um uh alan the um the when we come back we're going to update i'm going to keep you updated on the the progress of my kitchen remodel Mm -hmm. uh and we've got a couple other good things um in there i don't know i'm looking at the list here whatever well it's it's gonna be hot (laughs) we got a good day coming you're listening to tool talk radio here at news talk 98.9 the roar memphis we'll be right back
0: Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. The emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. And he is most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. News Talk 98.9, the roar of
1: Memphis. I mean, Alan, they always talk about managing expectations. Mm. And that it, that's a life or death
0: situation. Well, you know, I keep telling him mud takes time to dry. <laughs> He can <laughs> point his hand at it all he wants and still got a cure. Him. Yeah,
1: the emperor has no patience. Anyway, know. welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from DarkOakMedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And we invite you to go to Tool Talk Radio on Facebook. Uh we've made a couple posts. I did I kept my word, Alan. At the at the break, I posted uh kind of before and after pictures of our buddy Fred. You know, he um Fred is is he's got that Captain Kirk spirit. He's just gonna jump he's gonna in. Boldly go. He he boldly <laughs> does things and he's one of these guys that he will not pay somebody to do something he thinks he can do himself. Now they're raising a they're raising a young daughter. He's got a you know he's he's got a young kid. He's he's a bi- he's a medical guy. He's in the medical field. He needs to be taking care of his hands and stuff. And yet, you know, he's nope, if I it's a, it, no, I'm not going to no, pay somebody yeah. to rip the f- tile out of my uh my bathroom floor. Hey, I've used myself. handheld
0: jackhammers before. I am I'm totally behind this guy. No, go for it, man.
1: Fred's a good dude. So anyway, but uh we disagreed on the solution and we're going to see the yeah. we'll, we'll see how the results play out. My suggestion was to put Hardy board under the floor, you know, we're not going to rehash the whole thing. If you want to uh, catch all the drama of that discussion, uh, when Alan posts the show, you mm-hmm. can check it out. I don't really care Spotify. how the
2: discussion goes. I just want to be able to push the button. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Max just loves those
2: buttons. He's got all these hot keys that he likes to... I have uh, too much power in my hands.
0: Well, we took down the glass, so now suddenly he's all, like, all over the building. Yeah.
1: So, so um, Alan, I want to keep everybody updated on the way this kitchen remodel mm-hmm. is going, partly because um, um, there's life lessons and our our home i think is a very good example of what many homeowners probably experience here in the mid-south and really i think uh, all across the country our home is about 70 years Mm -hmm. old which puts us right in the middle of that housing suburban boom of the 50s right yep yep, you know
0: and and i want to point out that there there are just two places in your house you really need to take a deep breath Mm -hmm. and consider what you're doing before you do it right and that is a bathroom and a kitchen.
1: Yeah. Yep. 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 So, with
0: and, that said, I, I'm 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 eagerly waiting your update.
1: So here's here's what's going on, and 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 I kind of jokingly mentioned this you know if you want to put yourself in the right mindset go play tetris for about two hours Mm -hmm.
0: get your brain functioning (laughs) in that (laughs)
1: three-dimensional problem-solving way and then go in and and make your plans well we have we have a few issues so alan as you know i have a cape cod style home you do which is cool but it has many challenges because more or less i have no attic I have house. an attic over right. the garage, which, you know, that's not all that helpful. So in a normal home, if you want to, for example, put in air, can, uh, you know, update your, your duck work or something. Right. You climb up the ladder, you go up you've got free access. Att- right. Well, I don't have that. Right. All of my ducks are inside the walls and ceiling. You know, everything about it is kind of complicated. Our, um, But anyway, we have a washing machine in the closet in our kitchen, which we're not crazy about. Yes. And our dryer is upstairs on the second floor I, in a back, like, storage room. You
0: do know that. <laughs> you, you do know that's like nouveau now. You are you are so old, you're new again.
1: I get It's a hassle. We're right. like, okay, so the goal for us is we were like, okay, either we're moving that washing machine upstairs in the second floor. That little storage room can become a laundry room, and the, and the closet will be a pantry, or we're going to do the stackable washer. But the problem is... That closet is not on an outside wall, so somehow I got to vent the Correct. dryer vent. So we're sitting there looking at that. Then we're looking at, you know, we need a new stove. We we've got a pretty decent sized kitchen, but in my in my opinion, it's not configured the right way. So um, I got to give my wife credit. We basically we we needed a new stove, mm-hmm. and uh, the long and short of it was by some clever manipulation, she came up with this plan where we can basically take out one cabinet and instead of just getting rid of it, move it to the other side, giving us this whole, you know, ergonomic flow and everything. And I was really impressed because sometimes when you look at your kitchen cabinets, the impression you get is, well, they're not going anywhere. They're they're yeah, not mobile is, right well no they really are. they you're are just there's like a few screws holding them into the wall mm-hmm. and a couple screws holding them to each other so when you look at your kitchen you should really think you know dynamically and i guess that was my only real message here is like uh by um and i guess i'll take before and after pictures but by taking advantage of the um uh the idea that you can pick you know you can move them it's not it's mm-hmm. not necessarily easy you're going to probably have a little drywall work to do or something mm-hmm. but still it's it's worth it's worth reimagining it. So go measure your cabinets. Me- you, you'll see mm-hmm. the seam where they join together, right. and you may say, you know what, that one might fit across the room in another spot or something like that. So, you know, there, thinking dynamically, basically. Well,
0: this is one of these things where you're going to have to admit to your stage in life
1: uh, because
0: yeah. your needs change. And whenever your house was built, if your house is more than 20 years old, it was built with a mindset at that time. Oh yeah. That, so it, houses
1: your, today are so much different than 50 uh, you, years ago. or whatever. you know we, yeah. we
0: have a certain legacy that comes with every house that occasionally, and I and, and this is one of these little minor things, where, you know, if we could just move that plug, mm-hmm. if we could just, you know, have an electrician come put a plug on this other side, we'll move the refrigerator, and that totally flips the functional ergonomics of the kitchen. Right,
1: right. So,
0: a couple of hundred dollars later, you now actually enjoy the room.
1: One 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 caveat uh, there, Alan. I will say this. When you're talking about moving and shifting and everything— Moving a sink and moving, like, a gas line and all that other stuff. That's is a li- involved. That, that's involved, especially a sink, you know. Right. So keep that in mind. That may not be as easy of a, you know, No, that maneuver. gets
0: very expensive very fast. Right.
1: Or even some of that uh, that high-voltage wiring and stuff, you know. So that's more. But still, just keep in mind. The good news is if you move that stuff it's usually in a wall behind a cabinet. So the drywall work that you have to do doesn't have to be perfect because you're right. sticking a cabinet right in front of it again anyway. So one on one, one more note on this before we move on. The other reason I wanted to mention this is because in this era of supply chain issues Ooh, and everything, yes. we, we I will say this. Like I said, I was going to go to Dragon Con and instead mm-hmm. I used the money because um, we knew that these Labor Day sales were coming up. Well, Thursday night, we were already... Queued up. We had already, we hit up like three or four uh, big box stores. Compare, you know, price compared and all that. One of them uh, had sales, but you had to order the, you had to order the item. And we weren't crazy about that because, you know, they they may say, yeah, it'll be in in a week, but I don't know that I buy that. It could be in in two months. Once you paid for it, you're sort of stuck. So we wanted a place where you can cash and carry. So basically we found a big box store. And um, I did have to come back with my trailer, but I just wanted to mention, folks, if you're out there and you're going to take advantage of the Labor Day sale, you better pull up with your brother-in-law's pickup truck. You get your cart, you get it ready to go because if you're waiting on delivery Mm. or other things, you may get, there may be issues where that model sold out and they they say they're going to deliver it in a few days and it may be three weeks or a month you know so i would i would say the best bet is to just get it and take it take it with you
0: this is why i'm already booked through tuesday and i discovered (laughs) how many friends i really have yes
1: (laughs) anyway but it's it's fun stuff and uh, i do feel better (laughs) that i took advantage of something that's going to be a lot more long lasting than my memories of a hanging out with Cliff at Dragon Con, although I was looking forward to meeting William Shatner and getting his autograph, but uh, next time.
0: Uh, you know, I like to eat, so I'm going to go with co- the stove. Okay.
1: All right, Alan, in a minute, uh, um, let's see. We're going to get to, where is our, oh, Max has a another one of his deep cuts. Before we get to that, you know who, um, you know who I would uh, love to hit up and borrow his pickup truck, but he's always too busy? Is mm. our good buddy Larry Brown <laughs> from Brown Refrigeration. <laughs> another terrible he's got a nice truck though he does does. he's never gonna let me use it and he's got a built-in excuse the guy works seven days a week he's always slammed he can he can just put me off by saying sorry i got Mm, i got work to do but uh if you need any hvac needs uh and or if you need any um, it's basically a gosh i would call this a lifestyle improvement having clean air in your home clean well-conditioned air that you can control with the with uh with your phone with the smart home app is is about as good as it can get. If you have any HVAC needs, get in touch with our good buddy uh Larry Brown at Brown Refrigeration. We had a situation in our own life, Alan. My mother-in-law had her air conditioner go out. Oh, My mother-in-law, yeah. let's just say, is a little elderly. Mm-hmm. Uh we were concerned because we were bumping up against a weekend and right. and they got um they you know because he has to prioritize. So he got there. He got uh, his guy Billy. You probably work with Billy, one of his yes. technicians. Mm-hmm. Billy yeah. showed up the next morning. jumped He took care of a repair. Now their solution is going to be. He got it running. However, they are and queued up for a new system. Right. He got it. He got it taken care of. However, it's going to get them through the summer. They've budgeted for it, and now they're they're on the on the way to a new updated system. Their right. system was pretty old, yeah. so yeah. you know. But uh, that's the kind of dynamic. Um, activity they do or they, they they don't you know if if it, something like that is called for they can handle that you know they've 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 been there done that and they 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 know all about these supply chain issues and they're they're dealing with adversity very well so
0: well they're, they're also very forward thinking mm-hmm. it's kind of like all right let's let's get you comfortable today right now let's talk about all of these changes that have happened all of the refrigerant changes all the law changes and how about just the efficiency changes in the last 20 years? Oh, yeah. They're so because, much cheaper to run a new... A oh, new, they my. They do pay for themselves. Gosh, the difference is shocking between a new unit and what you've had sitting out there for 30 years.
1: Absolutely. And uh, one thing that's great about this, Billy came in and pointed out some issues, you know, because if you have a gas-powered furnace, right, there there are connection issues. There's thing, You don't want to be leaking gas. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be... Uh, if it's improperly vented, there's so right. many... Man, I would not... Uh, that's, you know, we're always talking about do it yourself. Don't do, don't do it yourself Certain when it comes things, to your HVAC system. You need, system. A, pro. You need a, a expert technician. And that's what, that's what they have over there at Brown refrigeration. And, um, you know, that's the, the, the great thing is that he's always on top of the latest technology. I love the fact that you can control all of this with the smart home app. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, these days that's just really, you know, maximum efficiency. They just do the, the best work and they have a, a great business culture over there. And you know what, uh, um, my mother-in-law was very pleased to know that even though she call, um, you know, called at sort of an off hour, somebody answered the phone.
0: Yes, you they know, did. They
1: have actual people that answer their phone. So get in touch with the good people at Brown Refrigeration. You can call them directly at 901-362-1881. And you can also go to their website, brownref.com. All right. Well, uh, Max, it looks like we've got a, a, a kind of a new segment that you've uh, cooked up. So let's hear it, man. And
2: now, a deep cut. <laughs> With Maximilian. Yeah. You
1: knew he had to do that. so okay. He
2: just
0: loves that Fruit Ninja thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. What have you got for us today, sir? So it's still a deep cut, but it's got a little subtitle, and I call it That Was Then, This Is Now. It's a series I'd like to continue because there's just way too many of these things for me to mm. fit into a single segment. So today I'm going to cover two obsolete structures of the home that no longer exist and their contemporary counterparts. Oh well, that's true because there's a lot of things. You you if you go
1: to a home in Midtown that's hundred years old, you're gonna why are there you know these things? You're gonna lose thing. It? What is that? Right. Oh. What's that door there for? So okay, that's kind of a cool one. Let's let's hear
2: it, Max. All right. So the first one you might not really find in a lot of homes, but if you do, please do text us because I would be rather curious to hear. So believe it or not, Murphy Bed had a competition. Yes. Everybody knows that Murphy beds are those beds that fold out of the walls. Well, today we're gonna discover. The Sorlin ceiling bed. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's making a comeback.
1: I thought I've seen some of these YouTube videos. It is with- making a comeback. Yeah, it, it is. Okay, for tiny homes and yeah. everything. Yeah. Right, the tiny home people, they're doing this. So, but, but a Murphy bed is the kind that's spring-loaded and it folds out like down, so the bot the, the headboard is at the bottom of the thing right
0: it attaches to the you're basically the bottom of the wall and and,
1: and there have it, never been, been any kids that play around with that thing and get trapped in the
0: in the oh, wall oh it's but. never been the source of any number of sitcoms in the 50s no right no, no, okay
2: no. but how does this but new bed but here we go work, the Max? ceiling yeah. bed yeah. the Orland the- ceiling bed first patented in 1913 the bed was lowered from the ceiling via a crank yep. with hidden weights in the wall working to counterbalance the bed. And to quote an ad from the time in 1917, it said a transmission drum is concealed in the wall by means of a hinged door 15 to six and a half inches set flush within the wall. Yes. And then these fo- folding legs on the bottom of the bed made sure that sleepers enjoyed a properly grounded night's rest.
1: I thought I saw one of these on a Three Stooges video. Didn't it go you long did. or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did. You <laughs> did. You did So, wait, Max, so you had to crank your bed down. Yes. I guess the advantage is if you're living in a little, you know, apartment in Brooklyn and you have no space, you just crank it and then
0: Well, you the, can... the new version actually uses an actuator. So you have like a, a, um, a remote control for it. Okay. So it, it has a, instead of a manual crank, it has a, a powered crank in the wall and you can hit the button and it will bring it straight down and pick it straight back up.
1: Hey, Max, before we move on, I, do, I have concerns about... The, well, did, did they tell why this thing went obsolete and why it's making a comeback? Because I, I have my thoughts about that, but...
2: Well, I think maybe the... Re- I'm not sure why it went obsolete, but it's like, well, I think the no, reason... It went obsolete it come-
0: because of the suburbs. Now you had more space and you didn't need it. It wasn't a space I issue.
2: I think so. the reason it's making a comeback is because of the tiny home revolution. Because okay. it's like when you need when you need... When you have less floor space and everything and, you know, like... Okay, I don't want my. I don't need my. I only need my bed for like nine hours or eight hours out of the day. So it's like, just send it back up whenever I don't need it. And not only that, but they said according to the advertisement, like when it's not in use, it may remain in the ceiling without collecting dust or getting the mattress and bed clothing disarranged. So it's like you kind of leave it as you kind of yeah. Go ahead. That's my okay. (laughs) That that's my concern, Max. So
1: okay, great. You don't get dust on there. However, our bodies whether it's microscopic or what, we give off moisture. Right. I I don't like the notion of you're sleeping in your bed, especially if it's the summertime or something. Right. Then you just crank that thing up, and then you trap it where there's no air, no airflow, and that little microbial (laughs) bits of moisture. What is that doing every day? I could see... It getting mildewy. Right. I don't a-
0: think that's a good... Actually, the opposite happens. Okay. It fully desiccates the bed. You love that word, Al. I you do. You purposely use that I word. I love that word because it works. Okay. Of, it, Des- it desiccation. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that is the what? medical term to dry out.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, so what happens... So that's what
0: happens? It dries it out? Yes. Uh, if you recall, the fifth element, he had a variation of it that slid out from underneath the cabinet hmm. and saran wrapped the bed. Because
2: wouldn't the heat from the attic and everything also kind of cause it to like all the little micro, like all the moisture to evaporate? Yes,
0: that, that's what I mean by the full desiccation. Because you're rolling it up into a warmer area, and uh, because your house is so dry, yeah, uh, it will, it will actually keep the bed nice and fresh.
1: Okay, objection number 2. You just described the ideal home for a spiders and bugs. They I mean, think of what they could do unless you have an absolute <laughs> You know, hermetically sealed thing. I could see them setting up headquarters. Then you get into bed and boom, you got a family of spiders right there. Well, that is only (laughs) if
0: you leave it alone for a long period of time. You're going to crank this thing down for all night. Mm -hmm. You're going to put it back up all day. So you're going to have perpetual motion going back and forth with this thing, thus making it less attractive to any critter that would want to live in it.
1: You're really trying to? Are you getting sponsored by these? Uh, these no, actually, I've, seen, bed companies? I've, I've I've actually okay.
0: seen these, and I've even worked on. I even worked on one of these a million years ago. That was the old in-wall crank. i mean, ancient house out in North Carolina, and I thought this was just the funniest and most radical thing I had ever seen. You know what? And, my, uh, my
1: buddy Fred would get one of these. He likes yeah. any gadget, any type of thing. So, uh, well, yeah. all right, okay.
0: unlike the Murphy bed, which Folds up, yeah, into the wall. And Your life sits depends upside on a down. spring holding it in place. Right. So. Well, you know, basically, there's a catch with this one. You let it down, and you're safe. Nothing is going to spring back into the wall. Nothing's going to pull right. you back in. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: well, I was just going to say, like, to before we, I'm gonna get back, I'm gonna hit the break and everything. I thought I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the second one. Well, that's what I was going to say. You got, you yeah, had two. You of them. two. Yes, and speaking of what's two, number two, uh, yeah, uh, what's Max? number two? It's <laughs> it's a little fun fellow called the Pittsburgh Pobby. <laughs> oh my god! Now I finally set that one up right. The Pittsburgh. Now Max, people are eating breakfast now. Can you describe this tastefully? Yes. Uh, so Pittsburgh in pre World War ii era homes, you might find a lone toilet that seems somewhat misplaced in the basement, <laughs> but there's a potential purpose for it, and it's not a pri- it's not a private bathroom. It's it's called the Pittsburgh Potty for a reason. It's because one of the legends revolves around the fact that like when coal miners getting back from work and full of grime and everything, they would also find showers in the downstairs um basement as well. But, you know, they wanted to get cleaned up before they went back up to civilized life in their home and everything. And so they would use the bathroom downstairs and everything. And, you know, like it didn't matter if they collected dirt. This is before finished basements and everything. People really cared about it. So they would use the bathroom go back up to and after they were clean they would go back up and have dinner with their families that's one of the more that's one of the more legendary aspects of it but the more practical aspect or the practical theory behind it was that well plumbing wasn't necessarily Perfected back in the day, so <laughs> let's just say that I believe I believe like when it comes to like plumbing ruptures and everything, the lowest point is going to get affected or going to get yes. the flooding. Everything and so, goes downhill. The yeah, everything goes downhill. And so, why not destroy? Why not destroy your unfinished basement and everything with flood water <laughs> as opposed to your lovely toilet upstairs being affected and getting flooded? And so, it, it served Can as a proper counterbalance and everything. You know, um, until plumbing finally got revised. So, so what
1: made this toilet special? It was, it was its
2: location? That's- it's its location, precisely.
1: Okay, because um, in Chicago, we we I saw things like that growing up. You'd see, okay, one mm-hmm. of my friends had a shower downstairs. That's because if you're playing, and, and in fact, he was a, a fo- uh, football coach or something. Right. So if you're grubby, you don't want to go and mess up your clean- Right,
0: it was the beginning of the mudroom.
1: Yeah, so you so, walk in, you get all the rough stuff done. There. Except so, this
0: was for really mud. This is know. a
1: toilet you could hose down with a fire hose and clean it, well, right? I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, this was <laughs> well, this was just basically a all right. If you've ever gone into one of these basements, yeah, there's just there's kind of usually a side entrance over where you came in, you didn't go in the house, right? So if you'd been in the coal mine all day, you walked in. You 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 took all of that dirt into the basement with you. Okay. And by the time you went upstairs, you looked like a human being.
1: And, and, it, and maybe even just do a rough rinse off and then you do your fine, clean, there you know, is your usually, finesse shower upstairs. There was usually so.
0: a floor drain and a kind of a hose down there to kind of spray you off and, and a potty. Okay. That kind of
2: brings us to, I'm not going to, I'm just going to mention like a lot of structures or certain obsolete structures back in the day revolved around Keeping the outside out so mm-hmm. that you don't bring it in, and so when as we explore this topic more, we're going to see other structures that were built for just that specific purpose. Because nowadays we're pretty spoiled, because like we can bring that we don't really have to worry about bringing the outside out too much. Because we lived in a time where like roads are paved, and we don't we're walk around in mud twenty four seven, and we don't work with steel. We don't work with like steel like with in steel mines and get right. all grubby.
1: Well, some people do, Max, but but I will say this, that I don't think you're going to run out of material anytime soon. So that this because there's any number of things in the homes of uh yesteryear that you're you look at and you go what the heck is this device or what is i'm, this? I'm so know?
0: taking him to natchez with yeah me. i have some yeah. great spots to show him yeah
1: very good max we we like these deep cuts max is always looking in the you know in the unusual, unusual corners places. of home improvement <laughs> so and if you've got any uh deep cuts that you want to suggest to max you can get in touch with us at the big m roofing and remodeling hotline at 901-683-0989 well, Alan, hour one of Tool Talk Radio mm-hmm. is in the bin. Is in, in the can, you mean. You know, in no. the can. But, um, so, but uh, hour two is coming up. Uh, this is Tool Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
0: News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan.
1: And welcome to Hour 2 of Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, Carpentry and Woodturning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from DarkOakMedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the big m roofing and remodeling hotline at 901-683-0989 as uh, a few people already have alan we invited people uh if you're just tuning in max has uh created a new segment it's it's an outgrowth of his deep cut uh Mm -hmm. entries that he likes to bring us this one's called that was then this is now and he's going to be exploring um, you know, what are these, Max?
2: Obsolete things that... Uh, Obsolete structures of the home and their
1: counterparts. Yeah, so things that the homes used... Pretty much every home used to have. You know, you may yep. look at a home that was built 100 years ago, and you're like, why is that thing there? Why is that uh, window there? Why? What's that door over there? What's that cable? Well, Max is going to unpack that. He brought us to today something about a, uh, the Pittsburgh potty. <laughs> And something oh, yeah. uh what was the the retractable the Sorland
2: bed. ceiling bed.
1: Sorlin ceiling bed. Well people have already been weighing in with requests. So Max, I guess uh you know, you'll 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 fish through those and decide which one you wanna <laughs> do. So um, also, if you're just tuning in, you may want to uh, scoot over to the Tool Talk Radio Facebook page and do that anyway. It's it's always a good idea. You can check out our must-have item of the week. You can check out uh, a story that is continu- – it's a, it's a uh, tile drama. It's unfolding with one of our listeners, a friend of mine, Fred. Uh, he and I are on a, a little bit of a disagreement as to the solution. I wish him the best, but uh, he ran into a very unusual situation with a concrete subfloor. That to me, the, I I can't figure out why it's there other than somebody had extra concrete floating Convenience. around. I, and I've, I've
0: run into that numerous times. Anyway, so. so you
1: can follow that and we'll keep you posted. I guess he'll probably send us pictures when the floor is finished, you know. But, uh, and when, if you miss that, just go, uh, Alan, where's the best place to, uh, for them to go when they want to hear all of our past shows?
0: Well, they really need to pop over to tooltalkradio.com and they can explore. Honestly, years of content. That's uh, true. We're available on YouTube and Spotify, so you can uh, just look up Tool Talk Radio and take us with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's always a good idea, and we always like to interact with you there. And, Alan, you said um, you've been looking at the, the statistics.
0: Oh. And oh, there's oh, some oh, news yeah, here, yeah,
1: which yeah. there's a little competition going with, uh,
0: you know— well, uh, you know, due to the, the magic of the Internet, you know, yeah. nothing is just local or anything like that anymore. Uh, we we had broken into the international market a couple of years ago. We had okay. uh, listeners in Great Britain, a few in Australia, a couple around Asia, and, you know, some people popping up around. The, uh, well, a few months ago, I noticed that uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand – had all kind of joined the Great Britain group, and they were uh, kind okay. of over there. And over the last 90 days of, all I got to say is, hello, New Zealand. Oh, okay, uh, so
1: New Zealand's
0: uh, yeah. checking in. 11% of our uh, international listeners are now all listening in New Zealand.
1: Now, I wonder what kind of issues, uh, plumbing issues develop when you have your water flowing the other way. I yeah, mean, yeah. are there advantages? Are Because, if, if, folks, if you ever go to the... Uh, if you ever go to uh, you know Australia or the land down under or New Zealand, you're mm. going to notice that they swirl back. They for us they swirl backwards, right? Because right? we're
0: backwards for them. So all yes. of you
1: flat earthers, go explain that to me. Yeah. Uh,
0: anyway, <laughs> uh, th-
1: th- not to segue too much, but now that we're bringing this up, there was a, a great Batman comic that mm-hmm. I uh, that I read when I was a little younger, and uh, he, Batman was kidnapped and he was thrown on a plane and they flew him for hours, and uh, when they took him to the place where he was being kept prisoner he deduced that he was in either australia or new zealand because the toilets flowed backwards that'll do it anyway sorry guys but uh well we we love checking in you. we'd love for you to to send us some messages yes, you know?
0: ask us some questions we we'll uh we'll dive in for down under
1: if you ha- i'd love to know what they deal with i mean they they de- these these are maybe beyond our ability these are these are People that are dealing with boa constrictors getting into the plumbing and... Uh, we have that know, in Florida. You talk about critter wars. They have, <laughs> you know, everything on the way to school is trying to kill you. You know, I mean, so we, we'd love to hear your adventures out there, folks. So, But, um, Alan, in a minute, uh, we're about to get to our one of our favorite segments of the week, mm. uh, Great Moments in Building History. Before we do that, though... Let's discuss our good buddy, Jay Hill, with Big M Roofing and Remodeling.
0: Well, he has a great moment in roofing history.
1: He does. You know, uh, quick question. You know, today is also National Hummingbird Day. Do, do hummingbirds have any interest in getting in our homes? No. Okay, good. Because, uh, you know. We're, Zero. Okay, because if you're attracting the hummingbirds, I want to make sure they're not trying to set up headquarters. Under no, your no, no, no. Gap no, they... in the roof.
0: They have the cutest little nest made out of spider silk. However. Okay, they're just adorable. So
1: there's no conflict there. No, nope, so.
0: nope, nope. You want all the hummingbirds you can get.
1: Okay. However, that's not the case with many uh, creatures. Squirrels, we've got raccoons, we've got squirrels
0: <laughs> that damage
1: the roof. I've had I've had my run-ins with uh, with squirrels and mm. um, keeping them out of my home. And you know what? Finally fixed it. My new roof from Big M Roofing and Remodeling, Jay Hill, because I, man, I had issues for years. You helped me block them out. But um, if you've got any roofing issues, including damage from critters, I mean, that's a real issue, especially here in the Mid-South. Especially
0: this time of year. Yeah. I
1: don't know if this is the best sale for Jay. Uh, Get in touch with our good buddy, Jay Hill. How, you know, among other things, Jay is a five stars with the Better Business Bureau. He's a GAF Master Elite Installer. Which uh, do not take that for granted, folks. Putting in a roof today is—it's uh, all about staying up with the latest technology and installing these roofing systems correctly. Yes. Also, we—we uh, we probably need to showcase this more often, Alan. The demolition is an important part of the process, and um, getting the getting the roof prepared for the for your roofing system—that's that's something that they are well qualified for too. I and mean, amazingly fast at. Yeah, that's what's great. Jay's got a well-oiled machine. His crew, when it comes to your um, roofing needs, you don't want your roof taken apart for, you know, a week at a time. This is something, generally speaking, unless you, you know, live in a mansion, they're going to get that roof on or off and on in the same day. Yes. Or die trying because that's the whole philosophy. You want it. You want a quick turnaround. It's it's going to be a little noisy there for the day but at the end of it you are going to have a beautiful oh, roof. Yep. It's it, it the systems that um they function basically uh with the with the mindset, it's not just what's going on on the outside of your roof; it's what's going on underneath. With keeping the roof running cool yes. with their ridge with their ridge vent systems, and in the very near future, Jay is already being schooled on uh, solar powered shingles. Absolutely, GAF is at the cutting edge of a lot of technology, and it, even just simple things of reducing the temperature of shingles. We we talked about that story mm-hmm. a, a few weeks ago with a uh, solar reflective paint. Well, yes. You know that GAF is developing. Well, they 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 develop all of that in their uh, shingle technology. And the great thing about Jay is that he's also a former insurance agent because, especially with your roof, um, it can get very uh, tricky if you're trying to navigate a uh, insurance claim. Which many people they qualify to have their roof, you know, right, replaced or at least repaired through their insurance company. Well, you need an advocate that knows what they're doing and Jay, he has a very, he's very uniquely qualified and um, plus he's just a, a very dynamic personality and he loves remodeling projects too. They've got a great team for that. So especially unusual projects. If you yep. want to convert your garage into a home office or if you want to uh, take that attic and convert it into living space mm-hmm. or things like that, that's sort of the things he he gravitates toward. So all around top-notch workmanship and just uh, a great person to work with. Um, Jay, Alan and I have both had our roofs replaced from Big M Roofing and uh, Remodeling, we and we stand behind it a hundred percent. You can call Jay directly at nine oh one four eight four five six four five, or go to Big M Roofing and All right, Alan, it's that time of the week,
2: and now great moments in building history.
1: And if you have any idea of who that mysterious voice could be, uh, call us at the oh, Big M <laughs> Roofing and Remodeling text line. I'd, I'd love to know who that is. Max is yeah. keeping his mouth shut. He won't. He won't share. All right, Alan. This is interesting. So this week, um, as we pointed out, okay, there's a few ways we could have gone with this. To be honest, there's a lot of bridges in the world. Yes. Um, I've I explored a few, and then I thought, well, why don't we why don't we go for the one that's probably got the most drama. Uh, at least is, among the most drama. It's the eighth wonder of the world. There,
0: there is only one called the eighth wonder of the world. You are right.
1: The Brooklyn Bridge, which everybody, you know, Alan has proudly got his ownership uh, certificate, right? You bought the <laughs> Brooklyn Bridge. And, well, that's its own story that we'll the, probably the, unpack in this discussion. The, but The bridge
0: uh, that brought us so much. Oh, my gosh.
1: This is a bridge built before OSHA standards. What does oh, OSHA stand
0: for? It's the Occupational Safety and Health yeah. <laughs> Administration. Yeah. yeah, this one, um, they... This, so, was, this was built before we had cars. This was built before we understood atmospheric gases.
1: Um, So we're talking the late 1800s, and I, yes. I believe the date was, what is it, 1860s? So, uh,
0: you know, we're in the midst it, it of... It opened in 1883, and it took 13 years to complete.
1: Right, which, okay, that's... You know, so in those we're, days, we're not bad.
0: eighteen We're, we're talking in the about eighteen fifties for the. You know, we would really be nice if we could get across this piece of water. Um, just once, Alan, I would love to
1: have a nice, neat, and tidy story about some great moment in building history that didn't involve human drama and tragedy Mm-mm, and whatever. But I just don't think that's going to happen. This story, I wanted to unpack this because it's partly, um. OK, it's just showing what life was like before they had a lot of safety standards and things right. like that. And and, you know, how fortunate we are today to have those standards in place because people lost their lives building this. So, I mean, let's well, just say it right out of the I, gate. A lot you know. of
0: times we go, wow, what a stupid rule until you find out why we have this. rule. Exactly. Then yeah. you're kind of like, "Uh oh, that was bad. Yeah right well right right out of the gate
1: so the designer of the brooklyn bridge was a guy named john augustus roebling Mm -hmm. um well he didn't get too far because he designed he designed it and then sadly passed away i i thought he was injured on the on the work site in some random freak accident it wasn't even uh, there's, yeah. there's I debate. He, like, stuck
2: his foot or something, and then like three weeks later, he died of tetanus. Yeah,
1: it's just some, just out of the, you know, out of the blue type of situation. So right away, there's sort of a clouded, uh, you know, launch. So his son Washington Roebling mm-hmm. took over. And uh, and
0: uh the wife Emily Warren Roebling yeah so
1: by all accounts he and his wife had a really good marriage now this this guy Washington Roebling what I do appreciate about him because apparently John Roebling had quite a bit of money Washington grew up um with 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 uh you could say with a silver spoon in his mouth with but he was a work right. he worked he right. served in the in the Civil War he fought for the Union he he proudly served you know and uh and also, he was on the job site every day. He wasn't sitting back and telling people what to do. So, this guy, you know, was was deeply involved in the project. Unfortunately, being deeply involved in a project this dangerous cost him, you know, it cost him his uh, health, you could say. Yes. And his wife, Emily, took over. So, there's three personalities involved here. Em- Emily, apparently, is a very dynamic personality. So, But let's talk about how this thing was built, Alan, because... This is sort of horrifying and sort of fascinating at the same well, time. Well, yeah, so.
0: because we're trying to get, it, for those that don't know, we're, we're trying to get across saltwater.
1: You know, I didn't think of that factor. Right, so it's interesting you mentioned saltwater. Uh, it's about, know, what is it about? It's not a mile. It's like, what is it about? It's, it's like half a mile or something like uh, that. Roughly
0: about there. When you get the entire suspension and all of that, uh, the total length of this thing is... The total length of the complete construction, not just the bridge proper, is 1.1 miles.
1: Okay, because there's a lot of overland. Because there's a lot
0: over onto the land and all that kind of stuff. But number one, we got to start with, this is the East River. Mm -hmm. So the East River is right there, but the salt water is right there. It's not like we're 20 miles inland. Right. So this bridge has got to be able to withstand the force of a river. And the force of tides. Yeah. So let's just start with what would be a modern, very serious problem. Okay. And we're in eighteen fifty, looking at the East River, going, Do we really want to get to Brooklyn that bad?
1: <laughs> you know, because up until then they had to take boats. It's just right. ferry well, boats well, across. We're looking and... at
0: the difference between Manhattan and Brooklyn. Right. And at the time, those are your two pinnacles of this area. Sure. So I mean, it, it, it only be makes something that you're, you're
1: looking right across, and it's like, right. what a hassle. You know, a bridge does make a lot of
0: sense. So. And if we can get a train, if we can get oh, an elevated train now you're talking. out of Manhattan to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. man, we got this covered. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we can put a deck on it so the horses don't get scared by the train. Right. So these and are the a, and ideas. it's a walking bridge,
1: too, so it's and fully functional. These yeah.
0: are the ideas going through people's heads in 1850. The problem is... We have a river bed between basically two islands, as far as construction is concerned, that has to deal with saltwater and tide. Yeah. Wow. And and
1: let's face it, the weather is not exactly ideal there either. You're dealing with freezing temperatures in the winter and, you know. It's hot. It's cold. Ocean conditions that you're dealing, you know. And And
0: if you look at this thing, it's not exactly built out of big, shiny aluminum girders. Right. It's stonework.
1: It, it's very beautiful to look at. I will say and I think this was one of the first constructions that used steel cabling. They they showed the uh, the cable system that they created. I can't remember. Right. It. I it's thought an they early said there's like a
0: suspension system and it's a hybrid yeah. because we have the big stone towers like you would see in Europe. Right, right. But if you look at the top of it, you'll see this the steel wire suspension, mm-hmm. which scared a lot of people because nobody really understood the physics that wires on top would keep the bridge from falling down. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I thought that part
1: of the logic between the with the wires is you need a certain flexibility with the bridge. You have yes. you can't keep it. Uh, so this bridge will move. You know, bridges cannot need, be you, rigid. You, they, they have to, have move. to move, right? right. So, uh, so that's important. And the cable is a great way of distributing the weight and spreading, uh, spreading the weight across. So, uh, I did want to. Uh, okay, so we we do know a little bit about. Um, I guess they're called tension bridges or something like that. But the big thing for me is I really wanted to talk about these caissons because (laughs) honestly, okay. (laughs) How did we
0: get the tower to stay up?
1: I was looking at, I've been doing research on bridge building, and I guess we must have used this one for our bridges here on the Mississippi River and everything. But they use caissons, which basically is you stick a giant tube down into the water, it's kind of like if you took a cup or some, you know, a, mm. I don't know, you put it in the bathtub and you found a way to pump the water out, Right, you've created a space that right. has got mud on the bottom... And you've got all the ocean forces outside. I I would otherwise call this a uh, death tube. I mean, this sounds... And then you start digging, and you almost go in reverse. You're building a wall in reverse, right? Well,
0: okay. Well, let's go back to Brooklyn in 1850, and we didn't quite have steel caissons available yet. Okay. This is where the idea came from. What they originally built was a really big wooden box... Made it airtight, piled it with granite stones, and sunk it to the bottom of the river.
1: Okay, and isn't our, we're talking about like what, like a fifteen foot diameter, or ten foot? It's narrow. You can only fit. I thought I read that you could only fit about eight guys in there. Hey, right. And they're digging underwater, two hundred whatever this is underwater, digging by
0: hand man without any with- understanding of air pressure or 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 gas mixes uh, it so, just
1: sounds awful. There's humidity. There's there's the danger right. of water flooding. People, well, that's how people
0: died doing We, we uh, well, over 100 of the workers building this thing came down with what they called caisson's
1: disease. Can you tell me what that, because that's a, otherwise that's known the as the bends. bends. Okay, but I don't really know what the bends is. Okay. Is that from breathing in and all having all the weird pressure? Well, stuff? no,
0: this is for how different gases react to different pressures. Okay. Because, like, if we compress CO2 down hard enough... It'll freeze and become a solid. Right. All right. Well, if we take nitrogen and compress it, and then we begin bringing you back to the surface, all of the gases in your blood don't bubble up and turn back into gases at the same rate.
1: Is that why, like, nitrogen, scuba divers have to come up slowly? Yes, oh, okay. because
0: you're waiting on all of your blood gases to stay at the same more or less viscosity. Oh, man. So nitrogen will separate early and quickly and thus send air bubbles through your circulatory system, causing the bends, which because very painful, can be very damaging, and could even result in death.
1: Well, and, and it did, and uh, and it was sort of a mystery because people are like, what's wrong with these workers? For one thing...
0: You the... were fine until
1: you came up. For For one thing, okay, Alan, I get claustrophobia... Just that oh, alone, you, you you're are not way be under this hall. place. That you would, ain't gonna make it. It's it's dark. It's you're breathing in humidity dank, at any moment. Nasty. Some idiot could hit the shovel the wrong way and flood it and flood the entire structure. Yeah. Um, Washington Roebling, the guy that designed this, that's what that's the problem. He was down there in the caissons quite a bit. Yes, and that's what that's what got him. You know, I don't think he died from that, but he did become he was, so ill he that was he couldn't
0: become very ill. Yes, he
1: couldn't function. That's why his wife Emily took over. But they they eventually got it up, and it still stands today. And I thought that engineers have um, said that this there, there's no reason this thing couldn't be standing centuries longer. It's uh, it's very well built.
0: Well, and it was you know. able to be renovated. They renovated it back in the 50s. Uh-huh. I know in the mid-80s, it was completely renovated all the way down to the caissons again. Yeah. And in 2010, they did a nice update on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very well built. It's still built.
0: standing and working good.
1: And it looks cool. It's a good-looking bridge. It's just been, you know. I'm, I'm glad, though, like we say, I'm glad we've learned because they still do caisson yes, technology we, we today. Yes, we use that a lot. But they've improved the, the Drastically. techniques. Drastically. Maybe we need uh, maybe we need um, robots that can do this stuff, Alan. I, you know, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm they, uh, they <laughs> but we don't ro- want them to get get robo bends. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, check it out. Uh, do do a deep dive on the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. We think you'll be fascinated. Very uh, very well, uh, very well done. Anyway, uh, you're listening to Tool Talk Radio here at News Talk 98.9, The Roar Memphis. We're gonna take a quick break. We've got uh, a lot of things, Alan. We've got our must have item of the week and a few other juicy bits.
0: Tool Talk Radio with Joe and Alan. There's something about an underdog that really inspires the unexceptional. News Talk 98.9,
1: the roar of Memphis. I mean, that's sort of our bread and butter right now. That's what we live by, so... Anyway, welcome back to uh, Tool Talk Radio, coming to you from the Brown Refrigeration Studios. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor's Hammer, carpentry and Wood Turning, here with my buddy Alan Gilbreth from darkoakmedia.com and our pal Max over there behind the glass. You can call or text us at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling Hotline at 901-683-0989. And uh, we invite you to go to the Tool Talk uh, go to Tool Talk Radio on Facebook and to give us a like. Check out a couple of the stories we've posted, including our must-have item of the week, which we'll get to momentarily. And uh, we also, you know, if you miss any episodes of Tool Talk Radio, never fear. Because you can binge listen, really. You can go to Spotify or YouTube or uh, just go to tooltalkradio.com directly. You post Absolutely. all the links there. You even post them on our Facebook page. So I do indeed. I feel like the Facebook page is sort of a one-stop shop because you can hit all the links and we, you, know, you can weigh in and uh, tell us what you think of things. Huh. I don't know if mm. we want to know all that. <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we've already been getting some texts that are probably going to play a role in future shows because oh, yeah. Max uh, has introduced his uh, "That Was Then, This Is Now" segment, and apparently, people are finding that very interesting. So, indeed, I want to remind people too that if you um, if you want to get in touch with us, any okay, so two two things: if you want to leave us a text message, you can do that any you could twenty four hours a day, any day of the week at the Big M Roofing and Remodeling. Uh, hotline at 901-683-0989. However, if you want to leave us a voicemail outside of our uh, show hours, then you need to do it on my uh, my personal line, which is 901-921-7105, which uh, that's where I've been getting those. Uh, I got one from Fred, and it was just too long to play. So I, <laughs> I basically um, compressed it, and that, that's what we read today. So, um, Alan, it's time for our must-have item of the week. Oh, you got one of our favorites today. Um, if you're on our Facebook page, you already know what what this mm. is. But Alan, tell people what I am holding up.
0: The ratcheting wrench.
1: Okay. Oh, what was my the gosh. British?
0: The or- ratcheting spanner.
1: Spanner. Okay. So this is basically now this is a 10 millimeter wrench. You've you've all seen these wrenches where they're basically uh, I, I guess they're called open end. They're combination wrench. On one end, right. it's uh, open end. You know, just basically crescent wrench. And then on the other side, it's. Uh, it's closed, so you can get your, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, this the, the beauty of this one, listen to this, folks. It's got that satisfying oh, ratchet yeah. what I love about this is it's basically a ratchet. Uh it does the job of a socket wrench, but it doesn't, you don't have a socket attachment. Right. It it's got a forward and reverse. It's got this nifty little um, you know, uh, clip here that you that you switch it to to go um, tightening or loosening. But um now I don't know that I'd have an entire set of these alan but there's always those for this is a 10 millimeter i don't know what it is but i use a 10 millimeter bolt more than just about any other size i use it for my car i use it on certain jobs there's certain Mm -hmm. projects that for whatever reason there's certain sizes you use a lot of so if you've got those i recommend getting this it's it's great for getting into those tight areas like i said especially a vehicle I think this one fits my battery terminal. I can't remember. Uh, well,
0: and we use 5.8s and halves all the time in the medical because it fits, right. uh, that's every bolt on a wheelchair.
1: There you go. Yeah, because you got to get into some unusual yeah. positions to uh, to get that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to get that tightened, but um, it's, it's one of these where, you know how we say, it only takes a little more to go first class. For an extra, I want to say five or six bucks, you can get the ratcheting attachment. And for, like They're I said, wonderful. there's those handful of sizes. I would say maybe get one and a half inch. Uh, there's a lot of bolts out there that are half inch, uh, three eighths, three quarters. And then the smaller ones, I feel like uh, you get the most... Um, bang for the buck because I don't know how much strength and torque they can handle when you get into some of the much bigger sizes. I'd stick with these smaller. Yeah. They're not a
0: locking wrench. Right. You know, so I mean, they're, they're for your lighter duty type work. Right. So, uh, again, just pop over to our Facebook page, uh, look for tool talk radio and check out the picture
1: yeah check it out so that's pretty pretty straightforward well Alan it's uh, in in our notes this is something I I somehow missed this you know I got these new bifocals and sometimes when I'm looking down mm. at the page some of them are easier to read I didn't tease this at all but I want to get into this discussion you and I were talking about this last week and I mean last night in our exhaustive show prep um I want to talk about refinishing and repairing antique furniture. Because there's a whole different dynamic in that, and um, and uh, I'm I'm in the middle of doing that right now. If you're keeping score, folks, you know that I've been on this really big job for a customer in Midtown, mm-hmm. uh, and her home is basically, it's been completely renovated, and it's uh, it's an older home, but it's very it's updated, everything's modern. However, she's it's time to do remodel all the bathrooms, and so she's kind of hired me to be more or less the general contractor for this project. So. Among other things, she's hunting for a uh, a new vanity for their for the guest bathroom, and she's she's been. This is a person that's very thorough. She's okay. all over the internet. She drove to Nashville to go look at vanities. She okay, she's she, serious. Three and a half. She's she hunts. She scours it, and she didn't find anything she liked. Then her sister in law. Had this old, um, it, it was an antique, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like a chest of drawers or something. Okay. She said, you know what? If you took the top off and put some marble, this thing, and a lot of people do that. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll take an antique mm-hmm. piece of furniture and they make.
0: Uh, repurpose it. Right?
1: Repurpose it. And uh, suddenly you've got a really interesting one-of-a-kind statement for, you know, well, so she hired me. It, it. This thing definitely needed work. So okay, I wanted to talk about the whole role because when you, it's one thing to go to a, you know, to go to a flea market and you find something and you're like, I'm going to paint this and I'm going to turn it into a whatever. <laughs> when you inherit something or when you have something that's a an antique, I feel like there's an added pressure and an added dimension that I wanted to unpack.
0: Well, so. Joe, I'm I'm going to throw in a couple of things. All okay. right. If you're going to go junking, then you have no emotional investment.
1: Emotional investment is the whole yeah, key. Yeah, you exactly. have no
0: emotional investment, so uh, you're looking at this, and so let's say you're talking to your wife, and you kind of go, you know, since we're redoing the kitchen, this funky table would work perfect in the corner. Sure. It's five bucks. You don't care. If you cut if, it in
1: half and break it, if, if it dies, throw it out.
0: You're, right. you're, you're, you don't have to explain to anybody what happened. Right, right. Now, when you get to inherited stuff, which is just one family member away from being something that somebody found junking.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> That's probably true, yeah. You yeah. know, as
0: I look at friends, you know, as we're getting older, I look at all this stuff and I go, you know, all these things you think is valuable mm-hmm. is gonna be at a flea market the minute you're you know, the minute you're out of the house. Your niece is gonna unload your entire house full of junk for fifty bucks. Now not necessarily because Alan because old does not mean valuable.
1: Well, if there's a story behind something, it's not going anywhere. I, again, for example, emotional investment
0: yeah. versus actual value.
1: Right. Okay, well, so this basically is a piece of furniture that um I guess has been in the Okay, so it's her sister-in-law's piece, but this is right. a very tight family. They're going to be right. at each other's homes a lot. When yep. this is finished, she's going to go in there and see you, the you finished. better result. be able
0: to show it off. Right? Uh
1: so there is a certain respect you have to show for the, you know, right. for the piece that it was. Well, um That puts a lot of that puts a lot of pressure on people. And it also, you know, the fact that it's old makes you wonder, oh, man, how much of this can I change? You want to keep the character maybe of the the piece. Mm So um, right out of the gate, one tip I want to say is, okay, you just got to get out of that mindset. You got to just you got to you got to have confidence that if you make changes to this and if you improve it, it's going to it's going to help it. Now, don't go paint. You know don't don't take something that's made of mahogany and then paint it you know red or something that's probably yeah that's kind not of wasting
0: a, the mahogany
1: but right. um there are things that you can do now one one caveat here just because it's old and it's sort of an antique don't appear don't assume that it's necessarily well built no i've seen this thing if there's any glue in this piece because i've already taken the top off i've already dismantled a whole bunch of panels and stuff <laughs> And if there's any glue in this thing, I haven't found it, Alan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) These things are coming apart pretty easy. I don't even know how the thing stood up. I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly. So that's fairly common. So I took it apart and I'm like, okay, so there's uh, this thing's going to have to support a piece of marble, like a big, heavy, this thing's 63 inches across. That's a five foot piece of marble. So I need to make sure, and it's got, you know, um, wood, wood turned legs. So it's not a solid base that i'm putting right on so but um one thing i wanted to point out is i would start by giving it a good cleaning with a nice solvent that's what that's what i did because there's years and years of gunk and oily thing because we're gonna we're basically this is a wood um this is a uh, it's i think it's stained um with a very light stain but um we want to um Sand. We want to get that layer off and put a new clear coat and things like that. Okay. uh, Getting rid of the gunk, Alan, for sure. What's the solvent you like to use for that? Because there's really different choices.
0: Uh, It depends on what it's stained with, but generally I would start with uh, just a couple of cotton balls and some isopropyl alcohol and go over it. And that generally gets... Most of what I would call your human debris, just <laughs> skin oils and stuff. Well, I mean, people yeah. have been touching it and all right. that. stuff. So generally that gets that kind of stuff off. Now, if somebody was using it in the kitchen of, I might even use a light mixture of uh, Dawn dishwashing liquid. Okay. Because that'll get rid of your heavier duty, more commercial, more kitchen-y right. debris of and then you can keep stepping up. It depends on if you're trying to strip paint or if you're trying to get rid of something or bleach it or well, what I did
1: cuz I I am a big fan of uh rubbing alcohol too. Right. I like things that evaporate quickly and I want something that's not going to leave an oily like I'm not I'm not going to grab the mineral spirits or something. I kind of I like the so I avoid
0: I, those if I can. I right. grabbed
1: a packet of those rags that have tea they, it's a, it's made of a t-shirt material right. mm-hmm. and I grabbed a, and then I grabbed a quart of uh acetone. And you talk it. about evap- that stuff evap You could pour it on the rag and you could just feel it evaporating. Yes. You, don't put it over. Don't breathe that stuff no, in, folks. No, Make no. sure it's a well-ventilated sure, yeah. area. I'm working in a garage with the garage door open. But what I did, it, it it definitely got rid of the greasy film. It started to break up the surface, and then it just required me doing the light sanding. And now I'm down to bare wood, man. It's awesome. That's it. So, But one thing I wanted to point out, one benefit of that initial cleaning is this This piece of furniture is fairly straightforward, but it does have a few areas that are, they, there's decorative elements, mm-hmm. but it had a solid stain on it. And once you scuff that, now people may be intimidated. They're like, I can't touch this with sandpaper. Well, trust me, folks, if you've got something yeah. with a decorative edge to it, or maybe it's got a little bit of a, like a floor de or something in there, the minute you just give it a light sanding, all of a sudden all those details just pop. Yes. And it looks cool, man. You know, it's it's a very good look. So, and it adds to the character of the piece. So, our basic look we're going for is um I wouldn't call it shabby chic. It's going to be, you know, it's going to have a nice finish, but we're getting rid of all of the um just we, we want the we want all the lines to stand out to, to okay. stand out. So, I'm, that's why I'm sanding every line that comes out. Sometimes you see that in a kitchen cabinet, Alan. Have you ever seen that where it's, maybe it's like a shaker style and somebody scuffs the edge so that all the edges stand out Mm -hmm. so you know that's sort of the principle here
0: just you know basic human use over the years Mm -hmm. and of one of the one of the mistakes people make is wanting to eradicate all vestiges of use right and that actually diminishes the piece a little bit um you want to clean it up you want it in good repair but you know if there's a good story as to you know that was when granny's favorite dog benji you know right chased the cat into the side of the cabinet and ran up it and right the, those are the that's the family emotional investment
1: yeah that's what's cool and honestly you could even celebrate that if uh if there's a famous you know burn mark that uh Aunt Mabel mm. put on there when she was rescuing some or who knows yep, yep. well then you highlight it maybe or something but it, yep. it yeah it, you, know, you know just
0: it'll eradicate
1: it right yeah because this piece does have some some of those kinds of things you know what I found in there Alan, which was sort of just sort of random when I took the drawers out because I removed the drawers mm-hmm. and I had to uh basically reinforce them, and I'm sanding those and everything. I found a bunch of those old-fashioned bobby pins. Awesome. Which which told me, though, that maybe this was in somebody's room, and I feel like there was layers of um, some of that ha- old hairspray. You know that that stuff is miserable (laughs) over paint. You got to get that off if you're going to paint or do anything. It's almost
0: like a shellac.
1: It is. It's like a shellac. Oh my gosh! Years and years of something. Yeah. So, but um, anyway, it's uh, also I I wanted to ask you about this. So I told you there is if there's glue in here, I haven't found it yet. Right. So well, this is old wood, and um, by the way, just one quick little thing to throw out there: if you have a piece of furniture and you're kind of curious how old this might be one of the telltale signs is if you look around especially the backside or underneath and you don't see any phillips head screws if you see flat head screws it's at least i'm what is that at least 80 years old or maybe 100 years uh, right when did we start doing phillips heads because that's sort of a a quick little
0: just a slightly prior to world war ii when you're ramping up manufacturing is when the phillips head screw really caught on
1: right okay um, so that's just something. So this this piece, I'm guessing is probably 100 years old or something like that. But because of that, I don't want to just rely on glue. So I've've been I've become a big fan of these thin, uh, you know those thin, um, they're kind of like a hex head screw that you screw in. Um, they're, they mm-hmm. they have a very small footprint. I'm using like inch and a quarter screws. Right. And they're not the big chunky deck screws or anything. Right. So I'm using glue and I'm reinforcing it with that, um, with those types of screws. And I'm pre-drilling. If you're going to put screws into an old piece of furniture, definitely pre-drill because yes. that stuff's going to split. Yeah, and it's don't, don't let it split on you. But I would say, just ju- if you're going to do anything with refinishing an antique piece of furniture, please, um, you know, respect the piece, but don't be so... Respectful that you're afraid to do anything because you know you're going to miss an opportunity to really bring it back to life this thing looks cool i did take pictures alan so i'll show the before Uh, and after because just a simple sanding and a cleaning suddenly it just pops now and then we're going to put some new hardware on it and it's really going to you know Uh,
0: taking lots of pictures as you take something apart is your roadmap to putting it back together yeah, that's a
1: good point too. Yeah. yeah. You know, take lots and lots of
0: pictures. And that way that also becomes part of the emotional heritage of the piece because now mm-hmm. uh you can sit around and show, you know, cousin Millie that, hey, look what we did. And you know, this great vanity used to be that old piece of junk that was in the corner. Right. right. And it just adds to the adds to the family um the, the family history or family baggage that you want to carry it with it. So. Absolutely.
1: So if you've done any uh, interesting renovation or you know and in, in interesting repairs or uh, restorations of an antique piece of furniture, let us know, send us pictures. You can send us uh pictures uh and text anytime at the tool to, uh, Big M Roofing and Remodeling hotline at 901-683-0989 and of course, leave us a voice message if you uh if you um, want to discuss any of this on Tool Talk Radio if you want to catch us off hours call me directly at 901-921-7105. Well Alan, I want to get to a discussion that we've put off for weeks. It's been in our show notes and we're going to, I don't I didn't tease it in case we didn't get to it, but before we do that, tell us what's going on with Geeky Side uh, TV this week. So
0: Well, of uh, over at Dark Oak, uh, darkoakmedia.com, uh Geeky Side TV. Uh, we've been having a good run with uh, Geek Tank Radio and Tool Talk Radio. Uh, plus, we've added of uh, a lot of new episodes that came from the international market. So you can watch, you know, some of, some of my dear friends eat weird stuff that I buy for them and make them eat, and uh, which is always hilarious. And finally, of uh, I'm going to pop out to the Caribbean Festival this afternoon.
1: Oh. I heard about that. So, yeah, so what of, is it, it's food, right? Right, mean, right. So, right, so what what kind of what's noteworthy about cur- Caribbean food? Is it fish? Is it oh, spices? It's, is
0: it... it's the spice blends and the fruit? Okay, it is just amazing, and that's going to be out at the uh, Cordova Food Truck Park at uh, what is that eight fifty five Macon Road?
1: Oh, that's a neat little tucked away place. It's yeah. not it's not right off of Germantown Road. But well, that's... we met
0: uh, we we met uh, E and L. Hot dogs last week. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Is he, he set up over yeah, there? Yeah, he, he, he hangs out over there. Oh, I might have to do So, it, you know, shout okay. out to Lauren Love from last week because, man, those were some good hot dogs. Yeah,
1: they, they lived up to the uh, hype. So mm-hmm. anyway, and I'm sure Scott J. Carroll has probably got something cooking because he's been recording quite a bit of material. So once he gets oh, be, that
0: edited. Yeah, so. well, be, well, his latest episode of International Market went up yesterday. Okay. So it's, it is up there ready to go.
1: So darkoakmedia.com, right, mm-hmm. Alan? Okay. Uh, and then uh, to to shift gears, I want to say that if you're out there and you have a deck, you know, if you want a deck or a pergola or a patio cover or really anything made out of wood or a dock, those are fun to build. Oh, yes. Anything made out of wood for the outside of your home, give me a call. You can call me directly at 901-921-7105 and uh, go to my website, thorshomes.com. All right, Alan, uh, we, I, we've teased this a few times a few weeks ago, and I stopped teasing it because somehow we always <laughs> run out of time. But I want it's Ladders. We, there's oh. a lot of things to do with ladders and ladder technology sort of continues to evolve, I would say, in terms of what they build them out of. But um, we want to talk a little bit about ladders because you and I are, I don't know if this is a point counterpoint. There's one in particular I wanted to bring up, the multifunctional ladder. The
0: platform ladder. The, explain the what that looks like.
1: Because I, I find I'm a little dubious about those, but explain oh, what
0: I, I know. am a in. complete convert. Okay. okay. Here, here's what you have. You have your standard, you have your standard extension ladder, which right. is just basically two pieces and a and a clip in between. Right. You have your A-frame, which is again three pieces, a little platform, right. a hinge, and the ladder swings out. Well, with a lot of engineering and a lot of measuring, we now have the multi-platform, which has a hinge in the center, and much like your uh, extension ladder has an extension on each leg. Mm-hmm. Now, they've gone in and added tiny little extensions, so you have self-leveling legs. Right. And the biggest idea is that you can unhinge this thing and make it an A-frame. You can flip it back up and make it an extension ladder. If you've got two of them, you can build a platform in between them. You um, can change
1: and, the angle. Some of them have three hinges.
0: Yes. Uh, there, there are some that get carried away. Right now, I am totally in love with the the standard... 18-foot uh, of, you would just basically call it an A-frame-style platform ladder because-
1: When you say, hey, so you fold it in half and now it's nine feet tall, right? Well, so, you
0: fold it in half and it's six foot.
1: Uh, oh, that's right, because these things Because, because you extend. have two
0: extensions. You have an extension on each side. Right. And the thing I've discovered with these is that it is a double-sided ladder. Right. So yesterday, working on an alarm system, the gentleman that I was training, instead of me being up in the ceiling and going, okay, do you see this button? And I'm yelling at the guy, right? Instead, he climbed up the other side of the ladder with me. So we're one on each side of the frame, and I'm going, okay, hit that button, hit this button. So we were both safely on the same ladder Mm -hmm. at the same height, able to do work on a job together.
1: Well, good for you, Alan. That that make that that's a nice, sweet story. I j- I've seen I've seen uh, bad things happen with these
0: ladders. Uh, you I, have to lock them properly. I,
1: bingo. I was about to say. <laughs> I probably should. I think we might have to, uh, you know, wrap this discussion up next week. My biggest concern with these ladders, though, is. There, you're putting all of this weight and stress on three very key little points. And if you don't have, if the pin slips or the, the pin if does something not slip. bends, well, the pin does say? not slip. If, if something it's happens,
0: closed properly.
1: I like weight distributed evenly and not relying on one piece of hardware, you know, with my life or anything. So right. I don't, you,
0: you got your sword fight ready? Yeah, we'll bring that. Look, we're coming back. For I think this we set this one up.
1: For next week, we definitely yes. have to do a point counterpoint. But uh there's actually other ladder discussions that we that we need to bring up. I just felt like Alan, we put it off long enough, and so yeah, that's it. It's going to be a ladder throwdown next yeah, week. Yeah, we're gonna we're, we're putting gonna, it off again. Alan and I are going head to head, but uh, you're again. gonna have to stay tuned until next week. But Alan, uh, another episode of Tool Talk Radio is in the can. Um, uh, thanks for using that again. Yeah, but um, bump. So on behalf of my buddy uh, Alan Gilbreth and our pal Max over there behind the glass, I'm Joe Thorderson. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.